The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You are now in the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. I am Josh Dunn, joined as always by Anshu Kana. Anshu, it is week nine of the NFL season. We are, I guess you would say, about halfway through. I know it's a 17-week season, and obviously there's a little bit of leeway there with COVID uh, that may have to extend out, and obviously we'll talk about some of the storylines there. But Anshu, how are you, my friend? I'm doing all right, all things considered. Um, yeah, just a wild couple days. Uh, not a great weekend for the Packers, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I know your your Bengals sprung the big upset of maybe the upset of the weekend. It was quite the game against uh, your brother Titans. Yeah, there were a couple big upsets. Obviously, one of them being, uh, you know, your Packers being on the receiving end of one of them. One of them being the Bengals, which I lost some money on, and. Uh, you know, it was an interesting weekend of sports. We'll talk about some of the big sport uh, uh, storylines there in the NFL, and then uh, we'll get to the betting lines on BovadaSportsBook.com later in the show for Week 9. But let's touch on a few of the big storylines from this past weekend, aren't you? The, the first one I wanted to touch on is the trade deadline. Obviously, a lot of big names being thrown out there. You heard about Gilmore and Will Fuller and some of these big names, even Dwayne Haskins you could consider, I guess, a big name considering where he was drafted. But none of the guys that uh, we thought might be moved, at least some of the bigger names, ended up getting moved. So first of all, obviously as a Packers fan, I know that they were in talks for acquiring a wide receiver and there were a few names thrown out there. I know A.J. Green was thrown out earlier in the season, John Ross, another Bengal, and then uh, you know guys like Will Fuller and others. So I just want to hear your thoughts as a Packers fan about the way that this trade deadline kind of, kind of came and went without any real big news as a Packers fan. I mean, just more of the same. You know, you and I were texting about it. I felt your empathy, I think. Um, and it's just, it's tough, you know, because like any other, really any other sport, but especially this one, it, it's just you've got this spot where you've got one of the best quarterbacks ever playing at the peak of his powers, you know, like just you already insulted him on draft night by dra- trading up for his heir apparent that nobody really thought, you know, there's, let's say polarizing is the best way to put it. And, you know, you've got this chance to sort of reconcile that. I mean, they don't draft a receiver in the second round. They don't draft one in the third round. They've given him no help really ever. I mean, they had great weapons early in his career, but they've never augmented that really. And, um, you know, it's just, it's very, very frustrating. I know that, you know, it sounds like Fuller would have cost a second rounder, according to The Athletic. I mean, obviously that's a non-starter, but you don't have to trade for Will Fuller. You can go somewhere else with it. And, you know, there there were other players on that very team that they could have acquired. And I know that there are financial, you know, situations to, to consider, but I it it's very difficult for me to wrap my head around the fact that they couldn't have found someone that could help them for the second half of the season and maybe next year with Aaron Rodgers at, at his current status. 
Yeah, and like you said, it's not just about the trade deadline. It's about free agency where they miss out on guys like Allen Robinson and mm-hmm. Robbie Anderson and, and, and the draft where you mentioned you know taking Love instead of a uh, number of guys that they could have taken uh, at the receiver position. I mean, you're seeing a lot of those guys with success here early on. I mean, guys like Jalen Rager and – you know, uh, C.D. Lamb, a lot, Ayuk. Ayuk, yep. a lot of these wide receivers, yeah, that are having success uh, that were taken higher in the draft. Whereas, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you think of some of the, the misses like, uh, I don't know, John Ross taking the pick before Patrick Mahomes, for example. <laughs> uh, but we've seen some success with taking receivers here in, in the recent couple of drafts. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it, it's it's tough watching from afar as, a, as somebody who, you know, obviously, uh, you know, wants you to see your team succeed when mine generally isn't but uh yeah i, I just i just i I, I'm, I feel like they do need that that other weapon obviously they've been without aaron jones and we'll kind of talk about the storylines here leading up to thursday night football as well but any other trades uh, there were a few moves you know quan alexander's on the move desmond king a, a couple other guys that uh end up do uh getting traded a lot of the you know value that was given up for them was lower fifth sixth seventh round picks it seems like uh, teams are coveting those draft picks, especially the higher up uh, round draft picks, quite a bit more here at the trade deadline than maybe I think uh, teams thought that they could could uh, get. You you saw Gilmore, you know, the, the asking price was a first round pick and an additional player, uh, a, a young player. And, sure. you know, I know that the asking price for Haskins was far too much. And it seems like guys would rather just kind of let the contracts of the players that they have or teams rather let the contracts of the players they have kind of expire and, and let them test free agency themselves rather than giving up some type of compensation for it. But any of those, yeah. any, any of those deals kind of uh, stand out to you? I mean, Dunlap to me is, is just like the kind of addition that Packers never make. And I'm using the Packers not because I'm a huge homer, which I am, but like, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's a kind of decisive move that you make to get a little better. And obviously like you just have that chance and I get, you know, look, we have no idea what the salary gap's going to look like next year. We have no idea what the ramifications of COVID and not having fans at games will have on next year's, um, you know, free agency and like what the spending is going to be. And really like, you know, those rookie draft contracts are going to be worth their weight in gold. Like we've seen in the NBA for so long, like, you you know, if you can maximize, you know, the, the ability of some of these players on that cheap deal early so that you can pay the good players more, it just, it gives you so much more flexibility uh, in free agency. And, you know, and, and you see that manifesting itself at this trade deadline, but that being said, you know, I like the biggest the biggest add to me is clearly Antonio Brown. I mean, I know it's not a trade, but like if you look at the landscape of the league, it just feels like Brown is going to end up being that guy that can change the whole race. Um, not unlike maybe Emmanuel Sanders was last year for the Niners. And so uh, like if you're looking for a game changer, it feels like that might be the only one really when you look at the the, the whole league. Yeah, and obviously Antonio Brown was a piece, uh, you know, that New England tried to add, and then he had some additional issues uh, off the field, and you know that 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 situation just completely spirals out of control again after obviously it doing that in in Oakland, um, you know, which which kind of leads me to to my next point from this past weekend that I wanted to touch on, and that's New England, uh, aren't you? And that's you know, it seems like they've they've been in a lot of games this year. You know, they sit at two and five right now. They're they're clearly not the New England Patriots that we've seen build the dynasty and you know Bill Belichick it's you know he's he's making excuses call it what you will but that's that's mm-hmm. essentially what he's doing and saying we went out and you know spent money to 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 stay relevant and go to four Super Bowls and five AFC championships over the last 5 years and he's right but you know this team 
is clearly a shell of what it was. You have now Julian Edelman who's on IR. You have you know, kind of a makeshift group of, of, of wide receivers. We know they had a bunch of players on defense opt out before the season. But I, I guess the question I have for you, Anshu, is do you feel like this New England dynasty is officially dead at this point? Oh, man. I mean, from what it was, absolutely. Like, I mean, when Tom Brady walks out that door, the dynasty, I guess, changes. And, um, you know, it, it, they they look very unlikely to make the playoffs, obviously, at this point. And, you know, it's all, also the way they've done it. Like, I mean – it does feel like excuses. That that's the reality. I completely agree with you. That is very unbelichickian, and to me, it's it's a clear sign that he's you know he's basically waving the white flag. Like I think that deactivating Stephon Gilmore in the hopes that you might get a trade partner for him is is a clear sign of that as well. But you know, you look at their losses. Like you can understand losing at Seattle and at Kansas City, but losing the Broncos at home. You know, the Niners, just they just get absolutely blasted by them. Um, you know, they hang with the Bills on the road. That's, you know, that's that's fine. They obviously play at the Jets here this week, and that's that's likely to bank a win. But then, you know, they've got a couple after this that I yeah, – like, I think they're going to really struggle to get to 500. And, um, and honestly, at this point, like, is it worth it if you're the Patriots to even do that? Um, you know, you finally have a chance to maybe draft high in the draft. They never are drafting high. Maybe they get a chance to get like a blue chip, but maybe it's the quarterback of the future in this draft. Yeah, and it's I know you mentioned that they play the Bills close. I, I honestly I don't I don't even you know it's not about the fact that they they could have won that game. It's about the fact mm-hmm. that they didn't. And I feel like those right. are the types of games that the Patriots during their you know dynasty years, whatever you want to call it, those are the games that they win. I mean, but it's the, a kind of game more often than not. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And they, they certainly won ugly too. Uh, You know, I know we touched Mm -hmm. on some of the upsets from this past week and you had the Packers going down to the Vikings in a big game from Dalvin cook, which begs the question, you know, about the run defense in green Bay just does not look great. Um, Mm -hmm. They'll get another test here perhaps tomorrow night, which we'll touch on the Titans. They just can't stop anybody on third down. I mean, Joe Burrow, obviously he's been amazing on third down and, and really, you know, a makeshift offensive line. They had five offensive linemen that did not start the beginning of the year as starting offensive linemen for the Bengals. And the weakness for this team has been the offensive line all year. So big surprise there. And then the other one on you, it was my lock of the week last week. And this is an embarrassing fact for me to admit to, but I thought the Rams were going to run away with this game. And honestly, I thought it was going to be because of Tua. Tua was the lowest graded pro football focus quarterback last weekend and he didn't have to be good because their defense their special teams won this game the Miami Dolphins come in and route uh, at home I guess I should say they come into home their home field and route uh, the Los Angeles Rams I I just the Rams are one of those teams I just don't know what to make of them much like the Titans and and really I I hate to say it on you but the Packers are starting to work their way into that conversation as well Uh, you know obviously they can get right here on Thursday night football against a banged up Niners team. But these are three teams that really have a lot to prove going forward. I, I mean, really every contender in the NFC has, has had that moment, really every team other than the chiefs and, and the chiefs do lose to the, the Raiders and that, that kind of like fall asleep game. But yeah, I think that pretty much every team has, you know, again, fallen asleep at the wheel. Um, and especially in the NFC, the Rams, you know, I, I don't know if you can forgive them, but look, they've like as good as they looked against the bears defensively, They've lost two of their last three games. They lost to the that Niners team two weeks ago um, or Goff. three weeks ago. It's, and then, Goff I, is a big question mark for me. I'm starting to get is. the Jimmy Garoppolo vibes from, from Jared Goff. I can't disagree with you. He is so erratic. And, you know, there are flashes where you're like, okay, that that is the number one pick. That's the guy they gave this big deal to. 
that's the guy, you know, Sean McVay has essentially attached himself to. But there are a lot of times where he just he just does not look the part of a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He reminds me, actually, speaking of those types, he's got some like weird Flacco-ness to him, too, like in terms of. I, I just he misfires some, and you're just like a lot of overthrows, a lot of like letting the ball sail on him. Um, right, and yeah. the scheme is so good, and like the he, immobility. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like he, like I bet they have the exact same, you know, height, weight. He just look reminds me of him a little more athletic, but yeah, I mean, punchable like a young face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so true. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're playing the Seahawks this week. Then they go at Tampa. I think those two games, like, would it surprise you at all if they? I, I could totally see them splitting those two. And you know, they're the Rams. Like, I, I think that they're going to be in the conversation, especially if we end up with eight NFC playoff teams. Certainly seven. And either way, they're. I think they'll be heard from at the end of the year. But I, I just, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of coming off my my belief that they are going to win this conference now. Yeah, and I, I think that the the other piece of that other side of that that. Uh upset with the Dolphins I I I still I still think that that Tua is not ready and, and he he showed that I mean he had the touchdown pass but he was 8 of 16 for seven I think it was 97 yards and he just did not look comfortable back there obviously gets strip sacked on the first drive of his career uh I just I I think it's going to take some time for him to to settle in and I I, I he sure, certainly didn't show me anything in that game to think he was worthy of a uh, what, 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 did, what did he get drafted in that? Uh, I knew it was in the top ten. Five? Right? Five. Yeah. Sound, that sounds right. So, sure. I, I mean, obviously it's one game and you don't want to, you know, jump to any conclusions with it. But I just – this this Dolphins team's pretty good. And I, I just – it doesn't – it's still I, – I go I go back to, like, why, why not, like, let Fitzpatrick – and maybe they, they would have changed the dynamics in that game or maybe, like, the hype of having your, your first-round pick comes in and, like, you know, obviously people are excited about it and – I just I don't know. I, I feel like going forward, they're now above 500. They're coming off a game against a very likely playoff team at home, and I just I don't know if they're going to be able to to get over that hump with Tua Tagovailoa as their quarterback. Yeah, I mean uh, Brian Flores basically said like we've got to see what we've got in this guy, and Adam Schefter I think reported that like look it, it could have easily gone the other way, and if if they went in the tank with Tua then there's an outside chance that they would have looked at another quarterback next year, like in this big time vaunted quarterback draft where it looks like there's going to probably be four quarterbacks taken in the top eight or nine picks had the dolphins fall to that point, And it doesn't look like they will. You got to know what you've got in your guy or like, or if you know that he's like your Dwayne Haskins or something, you know, just pull the trigger, move on and trade him potentially. So I, I, I understand that side of it, but now to your point, like they're a four and three team, they're only a game back of the Bills in their division, and the Bills don't exactly look like world beaters over the last month. Right. Like they could, they could win this division, and I, I mean, I think you're. I get what your implication is. Like, are they doing their roster and their coaching staff a disservice by starting to uh, over what clearly to me looks like the better quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick? And they traded Isaiah Ford, a legend. I mean, what are you doing making moves <laughs> like that? Why are you giving up on this season? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they are. They they they're now tanking with Tua. 
All right, let's go. Let's go to the Steelers. Let's just oh, touch God. on it quickly, Anshu. You know, I don't like to give them uh, too much burn on this show, but uh, I think I think they they put the league on notice if if people hadn't already. They obviously make the big trade for Avery uh, from the Jets, who is expected to come in and fill the void for uh, why is why is the name escaping me? Uh, linebacker for uh, Bush, year. Devin Bush, Devin Bush, who goes down with the uh, was it Achilles or ACL? Either way, he's mm-hmm. out for the season. Uh, so uh, you know th- that's obviously a big move, but. Even without them, this defense has looked phenomenal. They they stop Lamar Jackson on multiple attempts in their territory, uh, and they seal it at the end of the game on a pass that really had a chance. But uh, I I just for the Ravens for me, I feel like they just don't have weapons. Obviously, they they signed Des Bryant after missing out on Antonio Brown, and I don't expect that to move the needle at all for this team. They don't seem to throw the ball to the weapons that they do have. A la Mark Andrews has been very quiet these last couple games. And obviously the running back room, I just don't get why they continue to, to, to use Gus Edwards as much as they do. And when Josh Dobbins is probably the running back of the future there, I, I just don't know if I'm a believer in this Baltimore team. Obviously they have a great defense, but and they did play and have a chance to win this game. So obviously they're still in the, in the hunt, but I just, I don't know. I feel like the Steelers are in a class above the Ravens at this point. Even though it was a close game, I just I think they're a better team all around, even with Ben Roethlisberger, who's not really playing great football. Yeah, I mean, they're. it's hard to deny that they look as well-rounded as anyone, and that's not necessarily, like, the greatest compliment. I think it just means they're equally good at everything. They're not – I mean, their defense is clearly very good, especially their pass rush. But, I like – Look, you, next three games, you got the Cowboys, Bengals, and Jaguars. Like, they're, you know, they're looking at that. They're going to be favored in all three of those games before they play the Ravens again, and then they have Washington. I mean, they could easily be 11-1. and one. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't really see a path to the Steelers winning the AFC unless the Chiefs get bounced by somebody else. Like, I agree. Sure, maybe you get some home games and you have some fans and, you know, you're able to, to steal one against a better team, but – they to me just look like a good team that's sort of masquerading as a better team because of their record. Agreed, because of their schedule. Right, exactly. Yep. Yeah, but uh, certainly in the AFC North, they're, they're the class of the division right now, and uh, you know it'll be interesting with the Bengals coming off a bye in that in that Steelers game. Yeah. I, I don't think the Bengals are at that level, and this could be a game where they get blown out. But they certainly, you know, in beating the Titans and and in these last few weeks, they certainly look like a better suited opponent than they would have been say three or four weeks ago for sure totally i absolutely agree with that i think the bengals are going to give them problems because of the amount of receivers they use and if there's a if there's an issue on that defense for the steelers i mean sure avery williamson like you said is going to come in and shore up some of the any issues they might have had over the last week or two without bush but i i think that they're going to have problems guarding the four deep that the bengals go especially the Alden Tate looks like that's your boy. I got to give you all the credit for that. He, he rounder. absolutely awesome. I mean, he, all he, he does last is make weekend. big yep. plays I, over and over again. Like he reaches for first downs. He makes unnatural plays look very easy and, and sort of like conventional for him. And I'm, I'm very impressed with him. So what I'm saying is I don't know that the Steelers or any team in football can roll out like a fourth or fifth corner that can battle with someone like Tate. They won't have to when they get to the quarterback in two seconds against them. <laughs> well, that's, that's, of course, the problem. Yeah. One last point. I know you been, you, you briefly touched on uh, Brady's comeback win against the Giants on Monday night. Don't want to belabor that point. We'll talk more about the, the Bucks coming up. But uh, did real quick. We had one uh, question from a listener. Uh, so uh, oh. as far as 
the Cowboys are concerned. He's a, this, this listener, Brad, is a Cowboys fan, and he wanted to know whether or not we think that the Cowboys should just go into full tank mode at this point. Obviously, they're dealing with the quarterback situation. Ben DiNucci was a disaster on Sunday Night Football. They're going to bench him. Uh, we don't know who the starter is going to be, Garrett Gilbert or, or Cooper Rush. Uh, either way, probably going to be a disaster against Pittsburgh and, and really act as a sacrificial lamb. But, I mean, obviously they have weapons. You know, this is a team that we expected to be somewhat relevant in the playoff race, and now they're still having a chance in a horrible division to win the division. But if you're the Cowboys, do you go into tank mode and hopefully, you know, the Jets somehow get a couple wins here and, and have a chance at Trevor Lawrence next year? Or do you hope that Dak comes back healthy maybe franchise tag him and then kind of see how things go next year at a more full strength and try to build the offensive line and the defense. I mean, I, I, I think that you, man, it's tough because they're only a game and a half back, I believe in their division. Um, but you know, I just, you look at their schedule, I, they've had some cupcakes and they haven't been able to make do with that. And so, you know, Steelers at Vikings, they get Washington then at Ravens at Bengals, Niners, Eagles at Giants. I mean, there are not a lot of wins on that schedule with, you know, definitely with that, with Cooper Rush or, or Gary Gilbert at the home. So I'm not feeling good about it. It sucks, you know, for Mike McCarthy, he's probably going to try to win all those games because he is a first-year coach and they do have a bunch of weapons. But I got to think that they go into the tank. I don't know that they'll get to Trevor Lawrence. I highly doubt it. There are too many wins on the schedule to get there. But you know, at least you can go ahead and like hold that pick for ransom. I would be shocked if they get away from Dak at this point. Like I think that they're just locked into him, especially with how bad they've looked without him. Um, but at least you can trade that pick and get other pieces to surround Dak with, especially on that defense, which looks horrendous right now. Yeah, and that was kind of my point with that question too. Is is you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence, and you know, mm-hmm. obviously it's it's sounding more and more like he is going to come out. Obviously, he battled COVID and is missing, I think, a second game here this weekend against Notre Dame, and he's no longer the favorite to win the Heisman. But everybody knows he's the best quarterback in this draft class, and if he comes out, he'll be the number one overall pick. And if the Jets get it, the only way that he doesn't go to the Jets is if he opts out of this draft because the Jets have the first pick, or if he forces a trade a la Eli Manning. And, mm. and ends up somewhere else. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens either. Um, but, it, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's the only thing I, with this, this draft is uh, the Jets are going to be the worst team in the NFL. I mean, I just don't – I don't see a path to them winning a game, let alone multiple. And the, 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 the Cowboys obviously are already out in front of that. So I, I just mm-hmm. – I don't, I don't see it. I don't see them getting him. So – and I, I also like – I know you and I have had these conversations before. I, I hate tanking, period. I think it's BS. I think when, you know, teams – like the Jaguars, for example. Like obviously Minshew's legitimately hurt right now and, you know, they want to roll out their sixth-round rookie in Jake Luton. But like they're, they're obviously trying to – you know, pin the blame on the quarterback position right now, and then they're going to try to just kind of kick the can down the road and, and tank as much as they possibly can so that they're in a position to draft a quarterback in this draft. And I just kind of think it's – I think it's BS. I know teams do it all the time, but I, I just – I absolutely hate that mentality. And honestly, as bad as the Bengals were last year, I, I truly don't believe they were tanking. I just think they lost a lot of close football games. Yeah, I think – in football, it's really hard to tank because, like, it's uh, how do you just not try to tackle? You know, like, I think that there's you, it's really hard to do once you're on the field. But I think that the front you do office, your best to do it with personnel. That, exactly. I think that, that's that's what teams do. That's exactly, and that's what you're saying with the Jags. Like, I mean, you ice your good players. Like, I mean, 
AJ Green not playing half the season for whatever the reason was, or I'm sorry, the whole season, for whatever the reason was, I think is, you know, that's that's all sort of somewhat related. There's no way to deny that. And, um, you know, I, I understand the, the perspective for sure. And I like, you know, it's way too early in the season if you're the Cowboys to take. They're just too good. And like in terms of talent outside of their quarterback position. Um, but, you know, when you look down the line and like you said, like, I mean, if you're thinking about personnel and which one, which players to use versus not, I mean, late in the season, maybe Zeke gets a couple games off, you know, like, I mean, oh, that, you know, that hamstring, you're already seeing it. He's questionable this week with a hamstring. I mean, would it shock anyone if he ended up missing like three or four games because they're just completely out of it just to preserve that huge deal that they've got with him um, and his health during that deal. I mean, I think that that's, that's the way that teams tank, unfortunately. And um, I understand your perspective on it for sure. But also if I'm a fan of a team, I want to be in the best position to win when I have the next realistic chance to be in that position. Yeah. And I want to root for my team to win. Right. For sure. But I know I, we, we, I get it. I've, we've just always seen it slightly differently, but I, I get it. Like you want, you want the best draft pick if you're not going to be playing when it matters, but imagine if the Bengals randomly won three games, just, you know, for whatever reason, and they didn't get Joe Burrow because of it, you know, like how pissed would you be right now if you didn't have Burrow and you had some other idiot, like getting his ass killed? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad because like you win the games that you win and you end up drafting where you draft. Obviously I was excited to be in the position that they haven't been in, in forever to take the number Mm -hmm. one overall pick and to have somebody like that there, uh, that's kind of, you know, seems like a no brainer. Like, obviously you want to be in that position every so often because it can change your franchise. But if they had won four games and, you know, let's say the Dolphins were the number one overall pick and they drafted Burrow and, you know, let's say the Bengals ended up drafting, you know, Herbert, for example, at well, seven yeah. or whatever, you know, whatever, yeah, even yeah, if yeah. they don't draft a quarterback and, and they, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I would have been fine. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I don't root for my team to be at the worst record in a league, I regardless of, of yeah. where they're at. But I, I get, the I get why. of a podcast thing. You play to win the game. There you go. <laughs> but I, I get that maybe a contrarian view to, 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 you know, what most fans uh, think, but you know, I mean, look at the Browns. They've been tanking for 25 years and how many, <laughs> how many quarterbacks have they wasted first round picks on that didn't pan out? Like it it's doesn't always point. work no out for sure. Exactly. For sure. All right, let's move on to week nine on you. I know you're uh, very anxious to talk about the way that this, fir- this first uh, game is going to start, but obviously we talked a little bit about it in the lead up. There's a lot going on here. I mean, this line opened up at four. Bovada's got the Packers as road favorites at seven and a half. Honestly, with Brandon Ayuk uh, coming out today with the COVID uh, positive test, and uh, obviously a few of the guys in the receiver room not going to be able to play now, they already are banged up at running back. Tevin Coleman was ruled out. They they lost Jimmy G for the next six to eight weeks. They lost, uh, you know, um, Kittle for the next eight weeks. It sounds like he could be out for the season. I mean, how how did, does it get any worse for the, for the Niners? Now you're playing Green Bay at home, and Green Bay's got a COVID-19 situation with A.J. Dillon, who also has a close contact in Jamal Williams. Now they're looking to potentially the practice squad, Dexter Williams, to be able to fill the void there with Tyler Irvin and him. And we still don't know if if Aaron Jones is going to play or if this game's going to be played tomorrow. But as of about an hour ago, as we're recording here on Wednesday night, Adam Schefter said it's still a go. So... I don't know, 48 and a half, that over-under seems a little low for these two types of teams if they were at full strength, but obviously they're very much not. You're right. Well, I mean, the Packers aren't in a bad spot, really. Like, I, yeah, their running back room is is 
bit, but you know, it's other than that, I mean, they've got Adams, which is a huge part of this. They got Rogers and, you know, they got to Darius Smith. So they and Kenny Clark, they should be okay. I mean, they, sh- they should win this game by two touchdowns. Like the only reason it's not is because of the guy coaching for San Francisco. That's literally all there is to it in my mind. Um, and there's, I mean, there's a lot to be said about that. And, and Robert Sala's defense is, held up at times during this year for sure. I mean, we talked about them just blowing the doors off of the Patriots. This is, you know, this is the Packers like white whale and I don't really care who's on the field for them. They need, they need to win this game for their own sanity, for the reasons you said earlier. I mean, they're kind of looking fraudulent at times, especially having lost to the last three and losing to the Vikings like that. Um, you know, their defense needs to step up against this team of backups and I suspect they will, but I don't know, man. I, I just like I'm seeing ghosts like Darnold. Like I, I worry about them covering seven on the road at, at San Francisco, no matter who is playing for them. Yeah, and obviously their run defense hasn't been great, and that's a strength of the San Francisco normally, even though they do have mm-hmm. you know Jamichael Hasty and Jarek McKinnon handling the load there. But do you, I mean, yeah. do you, do you see value in some of these guys that are coming into the season? Really, is not even on the map fantasy wise. Now you have. You know, no-name players at receiver for San Francisco. You've got, you know, no-name guys in the backfield for Green Bay. Can you find some some deep value, you know, flyers in those in those guys that, uh, you know, might not otherwise have seen the field? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think especially on the Niners' side. Like with the Packers, I, I suspect you're going to hear something tomorrow, maybe before this comes out, about how Dexter Williams is going to get a lot of totes tomorrow, like especially if um, – especially if Aaron Jones doesn't play, although he's questionable. Like, I think there's an outside chance he, he plays anyway, which would be huge for them. The game counts the same in the record. So they, they you know, they need this for NFC records and tiebreakers and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, on the on the Niners side specifically, I look at Jermichael Hasty, of course, is a name you're probably starting if you've got him. But Jordan Reed, I mean, like, who is else he officially are coming back? Is that a, not officially, okay. but he practiced today. And then Ross Dwelly is another guy. I mean, I bet they use both those dudes. I think Trent Taylor is a name that might end up getting some catches. I, I know that's crazy. It's insane. The Niners have zero players who touched the ball in that playoff game against the Packers last year active already, like for a day out. Is it they the same center? Game. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I guess no players that advanced the ball. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's a good question. Um, but, yeah, they're they're just screwed. And Trent Williams is out, like their left tackle. I mean, I, I have no idea. But, yeah, Hasty, Dwelly. If Dwelly's if, – if Reed is playing, he for sure is a guy to look at. And, you know, we know Mullins is going to throw a little bit. So I, I would look at anyone that's active for them because my hunch is that they're going to be able to get a little bit of production um, against those Packers defense. If you're feeling frisky, go for it. I just, I don't know. I, even though the Packers defense isn't great, I, I mean, I am starting hasty. I, I do think they'll be able to run the ball yeah. effectively for the most part. But Nick Mullins has been Jekyll and Hyde when he's had opportunities. I mean, obviously, when he comes into the game late, he's had a few, you know, games where he's looked good. And then when he started games when Garoppolo was out, I mean, he 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 may have seen ghosts the way he was playing in that uh, one night <laughs> game that we watched, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be yikes. interesting. If this game does go on as planned, it's going to be interesting because you're going to have a lot of guys that uh, they're going to put their name on the screen and you're going to wonder, why have I never Who heard that name? Are. Because no one has. <laughs> so, God, uh, But either way. By the way, just macro-wise, Niners are dead, right? 
Oh, 100%. The only reason I didn't talk about this in the onset of the show, Anshu, is because I, 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 I wanted to make sure we made that point talking about this game and your Packers. <laughs> Unless they pull off some kind of a, a crazy upset here on Thursday night, and I just don't see a path to that happening. I, I just – the Niners are they, – they are they are so dead. They are roadkill at this point in the season yeah. if they lose this game. If they lose Talk it, about it, tanking. And I wouldn't be surprised, game. Anshu, if, if, if uh, we see C.J. Beathard in this game at some point. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because it could I, be I mean, ugly enough that they, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Green Bay turns over Mullins twice and then they go to Beathard and they, they they could just be the bounce back and forth game for the Niners for the rest of the season. Ugh. Oh, my God. Can you imagine being a Niners fan? Thank God I don't know any. <laughs> Next four games for the Niners, by the way, Packers at Saints at Rams Bills. And they're going to be without Kittle. They're going to be without Garoppolo for all those, without Bosa, obviously. So Is it time to you. move on from Jimmy before we move on? I – I think Gotta be right. So, I mean, I think they'll look very hard at quarterbacks in this draft. Agreed. All right, let's move on. Let's talk Baltimore against the former Baltimore Colts. Uh, well, I, I guess Baltimore used to be the Colts, right? So, Indianapolis Colts <laughs> against the Baltimore Ravens. I think I butchered that, but Baltimore Wait, did no, move Baltimore from was the Browns. Right, they were the Browns, but the Indianapolis Colts were formerly the Baltimore Colts. Yeah, and moved yeah, to Indianapolis. That. Okay, I got it right. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that was a roundabout way of just well sounding like an idiot. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, though, are <laughs> back in Indianapolis to play the Colts. Uh, they're two-point favorites on the road. I mean, Anshu, this is a game against a good defense in Indianapolis that Lamar Jackson has to show shades of the MVP season that we saw a year ago. And, you know, a 47-point over-under here on Bovada, I, I don't I, I don't know. I, the, Ra- the Ravens have to show me in this game. And the line suggests that it's really close, obviously. They have to show me in this game with, a, you know, Indianapolis is banged up. Jordan Wilkins, Jonathan Taylor are both questionable in this game. Phillip Rivers has been very inconsistent. Baltimore has to come out, and they have to win this game in a big way. Completely agree. I mean, I, I, I think that the Ravens are, have to be the pick, if only because if you have any faith in anything they did last year, they come out and win this game by at least a touchdown. And I know the Colts are grindy and they've got a good defense and they'll introduce a lot of variants, kind of like the Bears, just because they have a good defense. But, man, Jonathan Taylor obviously banged up. And, and you know, even if he was healthy, it's not a good matchup against the Ravens. So, I mean, I, I, like, I just don't know where the points come for the Colts. And, um, you know, Hilton's, like, good. done too, right? He, he went down yeah. last week and's going to miss time. I just – you're right. They, they truly anyway. don't. He did. But they, they don't they don't have weapons right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a game. The Ravens, honestly, if they're if they're like a true contender, they probably win this by multiple touchdowns. But at least, yeah. <sighs> the, the fact that the line's two and a half is uh, I think it shows that Vegas two. doesn't it's buy two on Bovada. Two. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't blame them. I, I don't think that it would be I would bet them at over three, but I, I'll take them at under that number. Agreed. All right. Let's go to Carolina versus Kansas City. The Panthers, big road dogs, uh, ten and a half to be exact on Bovada. Big point number here, fifty two and a half. We're going to see Christian McCaffrey back at practice this week for the first time, meaning he should play. I know that makes one uh, Christian McCaffrey owner very excited in fantasy, but uh, we should see fireworks here. You, you have a good matchup for Kansas City's running backs, too, and I I expected a lot more against the Jets, but they were throwing the ball all over the yard. Le- Le'Veon Bell didn't get a ton of uh, looks, and neither did, did uh, Clyde Edwards-Elaire. Do you feel like this backfield has lost value fantasy-wise as we look forward, 
or do you think it's just really game script? Because I would have thought that in a blowout like that, the game script would have said, let's run the ball, but they just kept running up the score and then basically just put in the backups with 10 minutes left. Yeah, I, I think that was an anomaly. I expect both those guys to be pretty good. I think the, the scariest thing, if you're an owner of either of them, and I know one person who is an owner of one of them at least, and I just, you know, I think that the cannibalization of the two against each other is, it has to be a concern. I mean, it just has to be. And that's, it goes both ways. Like, if you've got Edward Delaire, you're not excited about Bell getting the same amount of touches or that he looked so good two weeks ago. And, you know, vice versa, of course. So, I, I do think like this will be a good game. I'm expecting for both of them. And, um, you know, it's just like, that was just, you know, it was just the Mahomes show. You, you, we all see those games where some, you know, the quarterback decides to call his own number a bunch and you understand it, but I expect it to go the other way this week. And um, I'm, I'm, I've got big hopes for both those running backs this week. How much burn do you think McCaffrey will get? It's a great question. I think, you know, I think that having the 10 days off um, is really going to help him. I, I, I think that they waited till the right amount of time for him to come back, even though they probably wanted to push it a little. Um, I'm expecting a classic McCaffrey game this week in terms of in terms of carries. I, it's not a great matchup for a running back, um, but, you know, you know, they're going to be throwing the ball quite a bit. And um, I think from like a from a fantasy perspective, he'll get enough of like enough touches to definitely make it worth your while again. All right, let's go to Tennessee where the uh, Titans will try to rebound against the Bears who are also trying to rebound. I mean, those were both two tough losses for these two teams. Obviously, the Bears lose the overtime uh, tilt to the the Saints and the Titans coming off the loss to the Bengals. Titans are home favorites, six points here on Bovada. Uh, Again, two teams that need to show me something, and honestly, I kind of feel like both of them are frauds. Oh, wow. I'm still buying the Titans a little bit. I, I definitely agree with one of those. but They I think cannot the get off the field defensively on third down. I know they they, yeah. they released Vic Beasley. They released Jonathan Joseph both this week. Uh, obviously, mm. they trade for Desmond King. Those are, those are big moves. Obviously, they're making a statement there. We need to shore up the defense. We need to get off the field on third down and give our offense a chance to win games. But even Tannehill in that Bengals game against a pretty bad secondary made a few big mistakes that he shouldn't be making. Uh, they, they, they had chances. They should have really been, been in a position to win that game and they just weren't. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that part of that is like getting up for a game, but you've got to, you have to, I mean, they're, they're even right now with the Colts and, um, nobody else in that horrible division is even close. And, you know, every game matters in a big way for them, especially ahead of that Colts game next week. So they can't be caught, caught, you know, looking ahead of this, this Bears team, because again, the Bears defense is good enough to make it like a weird game like they do every week. And I, you know, I could see the Titans losing it. I, I, I just think that they'll get back on track. I think they're the first four or five weeks of this season solidified in my mind, the type of team they are, but your point's well taken. I mean, their pass rush, like if you can't get home against that Bengals offensive line, especially one that's all backups, like who are you going to do it against? I know the Bears aren't like a great offensive line either, but they'll, you know, they'll do a better job than the Bengals line would have. That being said, like, you know, the Bengals can toss the ball around the field. You know that better than anyone. And the, the Bears definitively, definitively <laughs> cannot. cannot. So I I just think that the Titans will be able to outscore them in this one. Yeah, I do think the Titans win. I don't necessarily 
love them to cover though. Six points is a lot. I think the Bears yeah, are true. notorious for keeping games close. I I actually kind of like the Bears at plus six, but I do like the Titans to win outright. So this is one of those wonky games. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be ugly, but I think ultimately the Titans are the better team and they should win it. But yeah, I like kind of like that's, I think I think six points is a lot. I think it's kind of come down to a, a probably a missed field goal by the Bears or well, I guess Goskowski's not exactly <laughs> yeah. a guarantee to hit a field goal either. Yeah, it could be a could be a tie. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to Atlanta. Uh, they are home favorites against Denver, coming off of the big comeback win against the Chargers. Is Denver? I, I mm-hmm. I'd like to hear your thoughts on Drew Locke. I mean, obviously Atlanta. You know, the only thing I would say about Atlanta, obviously they had the the, the win last last uh, week against the Panthers on Thursday night, is they they are potentially going to be without Calvin Ridley, which obviously Julio Jones did a lot uh, as far as getting the ball thrown his way in in the Thursday night game. But also Todd Gurley appears to be losing favor. And I I don't know that it's 100% obvious, but he's lost touches to Brian Hill, and he's made some really bonehead plays, obviously thinking back to the touchdown where he accidentally scores against the Lions. He ran out of bounds at the end of the game against Carolina when he should have just fallen down inbounds to run the clock out. I I feel like he's going to continue to lose touches, and he's been getting so much burn on this Atlanta team where he, where he's, he's, he's aging and obviously a lot of miles on those tires. For sure. I mean, you can tell that he is fatigued and, you know, like we talked about with Zeke and with teams that maybe aren't super in the conversation, while the Falcons do have a chance to rack up some wins here and get back in the conversation. Like there's a guy who I would be considering icing here down the stretch and not just because, you know, you want to protect him just because he doesn't look like he's got any juice. Like, especially when you compare him, to Hill, and it's it's weird because I kind of see that with Zeke and Tony Pollard too, which we can get to in a minute. But like, yeah, they're the Falcons are a weird team, and it starts with that backfield because I think that they'd like to be a running team to start, but it's just not happening for them at all. Even as like a change of pace, it's just they've kind of like fallen backwards into some fantasy production out of Gurley. But you know, if you watch these games, there's no way you can feel confident about that guy uh, as like a even as an RB two right now. Yeah, especially in the long term. You might, you know, touchdowns he's he's been scoring a lot of. I, I also, in this game, I really like the under. It's it's a 50-point uh, over-under here on Bovada. I just, I, I know that the, the, the Broncos put up a lot of points in the comeback. I just, I don't believe in the offense there at all. And I, I feel like they have a better defense uh, than, than they've shown in some of these weeks here this season. I, I think that Atlanta will still score points in this game. And I think it certainly could be close. I mean, the line's three and a half uh, in favor of Atlanta. But... I, I think 50 points is a lot for, for Drew Locke to, to score against against this Atlanta Falcons team, even though they are a, a horrible defense. I agree. I mean, he just doesn't – like, Cortland Sutton playing different story, but, you know, they've got Hamler and Judy, and then, you know, you've got the two running backs, obviously, and Fant, but they're not – I don't know. They're they're a weird team, and, and you asked about Locke. I mean, he, he ended up putting some solid yards up in what I thought was garbage time last week, but – I'm not impressed with Drew Locke, and um, I know that they're probably going to ride him out for another year because they're not that bad, but um, or they won't be bad enough to be picking super high. But I, I would be – I mean, I guess you've got to stick with him for one more year just because he hasn't been healthy enough and hasn't had the weapons around him, but not super impressed. I mean, this is like the poor man's bears where their defense is good enough to kind of keep them hanging around in games, um, but, you know, they're – they're just getting what like having one to the last three. I just don't see that continuing. So, and I'm with you. The under makes a lot of sense, if only because I don't, I don't see Drew Lock being able to take advantage of this Atlanta defense as bad as it is. 
Agreed. I, I kind of feel the same about this next game, Houston and Jacksonville. 50 and a half is the number here on Bovada. And Jacksonville, obviously, they're home underdogs. Uh, seven points is the line here. I mean, this is one of the tank bowls of the weekend. There's some really bad games this weekend, and this is one yeah. of them. Oh obviously, the, the Texans should feast offensively. But Jacksonville... You know, they're, they're going with Luton, it looks like, um, you know, in place of Gardner Minshew, who's got the fractured thumb. Uh, they, they, they say they like what he has. You know, he's a, he's a bigger guy, didn't have a lot of turnovers in college, but he was a sixth-round pick. I, I just, you know, they said they're going to try to go downfield more. I, I don't know. I, I feel like this Jacksonville team, I just until Doug Marone gets fired, I don't really believe much of what I hear out of their camp. I, I think they get mm-hmm. slaughtered in this game. And I, the only thing I, I, I think that you could take as a positive out of this game is Houston's run defense is horrible. And James Robinson is, I think, the RB2 or 3 right now in fantasy with all the mm-hmm. injuries to some of the big, the wow. big uh, stars there. I mean, he's a guy that should put up some serious numbers in this game, both receiving and, and running the ball. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, I, yeah, I mean, James Robinson, obviously a no-brainer, especially with some of the injuries but around the league. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm i with you on the Texans. And Jacksonville, like, I don't know about you, but I kind of, like, in the back of my mind, for whatever reason, still think of Jacksonville as having a decent defense. Their defense is horrible. Horrible. I mean, you, horrible. you just, yeah. I, but I mean, you're right. I, you, you think back to the years where they, where they particularly went to the AFC Championship. But, yeah, they, they're exactly. really, really bad this year. They're horrible. They've traded everyone, and, and they're feeling the pain of that now. I mean, they're one of the worst against quarterbacks, if not, I believe, the, they're the third worst in football against quarterbacks for fantasy. So, I mean, the Texans, like, are trying. I, like, And I think that that's why they didn't just trade Fuller for a third. Like, I think that they're – they're going to try to like hang around and try to make it interesting. I mean, they're one and six. They're not completely dead yet, I guess. And especially if you look at their schedule, I mean, they've got a chance. They've got the Jags, they've got the Browns, Patriots, Lions, Colts, Bears, Colts, Bengals, Titans. I mean, none of those teams are like super scary. If you're the Texans, you feel like maybe you can go on a run like you did a few years ago. I mean, I, I don't see it happening with that defense, but I, as long as you've got life, you've got the potential for fantasy points generally. And, um, at minimum. And I, I think that Watson and Fuller and even Cooks and, you know, obviously David Johnson are all very much in line to have good games this week. As they should. All right. We'll go from one trash game to another Washington football team, home favorites, three points here on Bovada against the New York Giants. I, I just, NFC East games make me sick to my stomach. 42 <laughs> is the over under. I, I I, I don't. I kind of like the over in this game, honestly. But I, I think both of these teams are, are trash. But they both have relatively good defenses, and obviously both quarterbacks like turning the ball over. But I, I do think that they'll be able to score on each other. Weirdly, I, I don't know. I, it's an ugly game for me. I think. Uh, I think Wash, Washington's probably slightly better for me, but I, I would stay away from this in all aspects. Yeah, agreed. Just don't even watch it. Like it's going to be a horrible game. And uh, yeah. I, uh... The last time we saw Washington was a couple weeks ago before their bye. They had the Cowboys and they just beat the hell out of them. So I like, you know, I think that they're, they lost to the Giants, by the way. I don't even remember that game. Thankfully that, that just makes me <laughs> feel better about myself that I don't remember that game happening. And I'm, I'm going to feel the same way about this. I, I, I guess gun to head, I'll take Washington, but yeah, it's these two teams are terrible. You'd have to hold a gun to my head to make me watch this game. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> what about Seattle Buffalo? This is one of the better ones of the weekend. We Buffalo, <laughs> Buffalo's at home. They're three point underdogs at home here on Bovada. Fifty five is the line, so we should expect to see points. Obviously, Buffalo's defense has been a lot worse than 
advertised, and Seattle's defense has been non-existent. This could be the shootout of the weekend, fantasy points all over the place. DK Metcalf and Lockett are trading games. The one thing I want to know in this game, though, from Buffalo in particular, is what the hell are they doing in that backfield? Obviously, Seattle's backfield's banged up, too. Uh, you know, Zach Moss had a big game last week with the two touchdowns. I just Singletary. I don't. I don't understand the usage week to week with him. I'm a little confused as to how they're using these two. I wish they'd kind of pick one lane and stay with it, but it did seem to work last week, whereas it hasn't most of the others. Yeah, completely agree. I'd like to know. I, I feels like maybe this is going to be Moss kind of taking over, but mm-hmm. I, I have no idea. Like anyone who thinks that they know is, is just lying. So, um, well, we'll see. I, I like it's. It's definitely a gettable defense to score on. But it feels like a shootout, as you pointed out. I mean, I think Stefan Diggs is in line for a monster game this week. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at, like, who to start amongst those two guys, like if you're playing DFS between Metcalf and Lockett, feels like a Lockett week to me. feels like a slot corner week because Buffalo's outside corners are, are quite a bit better than the guys they have inside when you think of Shadavious White. So, um, it, yeah, I mean, I think that they'll go in the Lockett direction. And, um I kind of like Buffalo. I, I don't really see a huge difference between these two teams when you think of like their all around ability. Like obviously in your mind, you're thinking the Seahawks are going to be able to win a shootout, but I think Buffalo can hang in that type of game. And I think their defense is clearly better. So I like Buffalo to cover that. I want to believe that. I just, I don't know. Buffalo kind of feels kinda suck. like frauds to me too this year. And, and honestly, Seattle defensively does. I, I don't know if Dunlap provides a huge spark, but they should get Jamal Adams back this weekend. I think he sure. definitely provides a big spark. I just I think I think Seattle is is, you know, probably the class of the NFC, if not Tampa Bay right now. I, I think Buffalo, if they can do what you believe that they have the ability to, I think we're that changes the narrative on Buffalo for me. So I hope that sure. you're right, because I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that, but I just am not there yet, so I think Seattle covers on the road. But, again, you're going across the country. This is one of the longest trips in the NFL. You just never know. These games are a little wonky, as we saw with uh, with L.A. going to uh, Miami yeah. last week. So yeah, it, could be, exactly. it could be that. We'll see. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, let's go to L.A., uh, where we have the, the Chargers against the Raiders. Uh, Raiders coming off a big ugly win against the Browns. The Chargers, <laughs> they're, they're the, they're the uh, Falcons of the AFC, if not the Bengals, and uh, – they, they just find new ways to blow games. But 52 is the over-under. I'm seeing this as even on Bovada. Mm. Wow. That's – I dude, I uh, – the more things change, the more they get this stay the same. All that was missing from the Chargers choking that game was Phil Rivers standing on the sideline, looking up in the air, not swearing loudly into the sky. Like he's – It's just – Yeah, I'm dead. I'm it. I, I just – like the Chargers are so – they just love snatching losses from the jaws of victory. Like it's just like their favorite thing to do. I don't get it. Um, the other thing weirdly with the Chargers is like, who is Tremaine Pope and how did he somehow <laughs> usurp Josh Great Kelly? Point. Like where Great the hell point. did that come from? Yep. Um, it seemed like every time I looked up, it was Tremaine Pope getting carries or catches or whatever. And Kelly was healthy. So I, I really don't understand that. But uh, you know, Justin Herbert remains super fun to watch and really, really good. And um but yeah, I mean, I just like these two teams are complete opposites in that the Raiders are finding ways to win and the Chargers are finding ways to lose. So I'm not sure how that bodes, but I, I kind of lean towards the Raiders continuing that trend. And the, the Chargers, by the way, are two and five. The Raiders are four and three. The point differential, the Chargers are only minus six. The Raiders are minus 16. So wow. that shows you like 
The Chargers are two and five with a minus six point differential. That is wild to me. I kind of like the Chargers, and it's not because I like the Chargers. I just don't know, and I know I've kind of defended the Raiders this year, but I just that game with, and obviously the weather played played a huge factor. Yeah, I just Mm -hmm. part of me is like the the weapons, like they you you saw. what's the receiver's name for them that played for the Eagles? Why can't I think of his name right now? Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar was like their number one for two, three weeks straight. And then he comes in this game and has a goose egg. I mean, he was on the biggest waiver wire pickups of the week. And then he comes and lays a goose egg. And it's not Classic like Aguilar. Yeah, that is. But but it's not it's not like the Raiders have all these other weapons that they're throwing to. And obviously, again, the weather played a factor. Josh Jacobs had like 30-something carries in that game. And, and you know, the, the Raiders have, have weapons, obviously. I, I just feel like the Chargers in this spot, they have a lot of ways that they can beat you. I think Justin Jackson's a big fantasy play. I like Mike Williams this week. I love your guy, uh, Keenan Allen. I think he's going to get a bunch of catches. I just think that, you know, obviously they could blow it at the end like they've done so many times before. I think at home, you know, I think that this is a game that the, Ra- that the Chargers could pull off the upset. And I just – the Raiders, to me, are one of those teams in the AFC this year that – they can win games they're not supposed to, which we've seen them. They beat the Chiefs, for God's sake. And they can lose games that they shouldn't, uh, which we've seen that as well. I just I feel like they're going to be the type of team that we see in the AFC South all, all, all the time on, oh which I God, talk about so constantly. <laughs> that's what they remind me of this year. And I just – I don't know if – I hope – you know, I, I don't mind the Raiders. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing them get over that hump. And this is a game where it's it's one of those things. Prove me wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see you beat the Chargers because the Chargers aren't going anywhere, but I just think the Chargers have enough weapons to to keep it interesting and win this game in a close one. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, the Chargers on paper should definitely be better. I just – and so, yeah, I, I want to agree with you. I just like the way that these two teams have played, it really is just based on the eye test to me. Like the Raiders – or the end of game, the box score eye test really. Like the, the Raiders – seem to win these games that they shouldn't um, and the Chargers seem to lose these games that they should win. So it's, it's just, I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I think that like my brain says Chargers, but my heart says Raiders are probably are going to find a way. So they'll probably tie. That's Pro- probably a push. I'll bet on it and I'll, uh, I'll get push. Um, <laughs> I'm going to bet on the push. There we go. Miami, go. Arizona, the, the Cardinals are Ooh. four point home favorites. This is a fun game to me. I, I because mm-hmm. I, you know, Miami has a chance to prove that they're for real and Arizona has a chance to kind of cement that they're for real. Obviously they have some injuries, uh, do the Cardinals, but they're coming off a bye. Miami's coming off a huge win Tua's on the road playing against Kyler Murray. Obviously there's a storyline there. I, I think that the Arizona should win this game in a big way, but I, I don't know if I want to be fooled again with the NFC West going up against these Dolphins two weeks in a row. I think the the difference here is just the travel, and I I am very much looking forward to this quarterback matchup. I mean, how can you not like it? This is like you you finally get to see these two guys play against each other um, at this stage, and I think it's going to be really fun. And uh, I love the Cardinals here. I think off the bye. The unleashing of of Chase Edmonds, hopefully. Uh, I, I mean, I think that Arizona has a really good chance to. I don't want to say blow it out, but I think this is going to be a high scoring game, and I, I like Arizona to do it by a touchdown or so at home. Chase Edmonds, league winner 
I'm calling that. I know you made a big <laughs> trade for him on you. I, 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 I think, I mean, obviously we've, we've seen this story before and you know, he's, he's gotten hurt in the past and mm-hmm. he's lost touches in the past. And it sounds like Drake's injury is not as bad as we first thought, but exactly, you yeah. know, he's going to come show out. And it, you know, at that point, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, you, you've got to give him more touches, even when Drake comes back. And I just feel like he is deserving of those. And when he's healthy, and they and he gets those touches. He makes the most of them every single time. It's just for him. It's always a function of can he stay healthy, and uh, you know, will they use him the way that the, uh, a team should? In my opinion, that's that's exactly it. I, I completely agree. I God, if Drake may only miss one game, like you were kind of alluding to there, that would be unfortunate for Edmonds owners. But I do think that Edmonds <laughs> is going to get his chance now. Like he was already kind of trending that way. And um, at worst, I see kind of like a split, which would be frustrating, but also like from a football perspective, very good, a very good policy for Arizona. So um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited because I, I do think that this Miami defense is a great test for them. And, um, you know, Arizona has been very up and down. But last time we saw them was that really fun Sunday night game against the Seattle, which obviously has a, a total folding defense. But like. Is a good task for Kyler. So what do you got? I, I mean, I'm, I'm interested because they can win this division for sure. Agreed. All right, let's go to Pittsburgh and Dallas. I mean, this is a, oh, this is an old, uh, you know, 90s rivalry. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be fun. This is a 14-point line on Bovada. 41 and a half. I mean, it's a low number. I, the Steelers might score that themselves in this one. But I just – I, I I don't see Dallas scoring points no matter who's under under center. I, I if you if you have a, a, a fantasy owner of any of the players on Dallas, whether it's Zeke or Amari Cooper or Ceedee Lamb, Michael Gallup, go down the line. I mean, do you can you get anything for them on the trade market right now before the deadline as a fantasy owner? I mean, I, if I'm an owner of any of those guys, I want nothing to do with them. I, I wouldn't trade. I, I I said this seriously to somebody two days ago. I don't know, honestly, if somebody offered me Zeke right now, if I would trade Damian Harris for that for him. And I know it's I, usage, but I, I, I was it, it you? I I, yeah. don't, I I very seriously don't think I would make that trade right now. Yeah, I mean, especially when you factor in the injury. I dude, I Zeke is man, and again, like we, I kind of said this. I have Zeke in a in a big league, and I could not get anything for him right now, and I, I haven't even really tried. I've just. I said, like, what do you think of Zeke? And the response has generally been, I'm not touching any Cowboys. Like, that exact right. line was said to me verbatim. So um, you're not the only one to have that view. Um, and I, I can't blame anyone for not wanting him right now. So my my general strategy in that situation is to buy low. But they are so bad. We have no idea. I, I can't imagine Garrett Gilbert's going to look even any better than Ben DiNucci. And Ben DiNucci didn't look good, obviously. They're, they're a complete mess. And you – how can you bench them though? Like you can't bench Zeke or, or Amari probably. Um, you just got to kind of roll with them and it sucks because you're just stuck taking like three to five points out of key spots from those guys. Yeah. I mean with Zeke, you, you, you the good thing about Zeke in years past has been like, no matter what, he has one of the highest floors of anybody. And, and I don't, that floor has been severely reduced with this offense being just puttering around and, you know, no, literally under Ben DiNucci went nowhere. I mean, they maybe get Dalton back in a week and it gets a little bit better, but with I an offensive, but with that offensive line, Dalton's just not going to be that good. And I, it'll be better for sure. But is it going to get to a point where you, you know, can, can, is Zeke ever going to be back in the top 20 running backs the rest of this fantasy season? Oh my God. 
Well, I think the Damian Harris question is just so perfect. Like, okay, here's here's a thought. If you have my uh, no, because he's out. Man, there's like no. I'm just trying to think of like a guy who you would. I mean, Harris is probably like right around 20 to 25, right, rest of the season. And I think that like if you're in a spot, would you rather have David Montgomery or Zeke? Uh, I. There, I, I think I'd rather have Montgomery just because of like the usage and the fact that they're in close games where the Cowboys probably won't be. Yeah, they're like they're competitive, and like I think that, um, like I said earlier, like I mean, I, I truly would worry and am worried about the Cowboys icing Zeke if they're at the point where they're you know three and ten or four and you know twelve, four and ten, four and six, four and eight, whatever. Like, you know, they're they're in a spot where they can't really make the playoffs. Like why? run Zeke into the ground at that point, especially if he's got like all these injuries. And honestly, he's just not been very good. Like from a football perspective, all the fumbles basically choked away that game a couple weeks ago on Monday. Right. And then, um, you know, he's, it's just tough. Cause I, I think Pollard's given them a lot more juice and I, I would be interested to see if they want to see, you know, what they've gotten him. Wow. It's amazing how far they've fallen. All right. Crazy. We've got, uh, we've got a couple night games here, but before, uh, well, we've got uh, the Sunday night game, New Orleans, and Tampa Bay, aren't you? I mean, obviously, Ooh. obviously, one of the games of the week. Um, you know, you think about Tom Brady and, and Drew Brees going back and forth with the touchdown record. It, it should be a fun game. Tampa Bay is going to have Antonio Brown for the first time. They're four and a half point favorites. They might have Godwin back as well. Mm-hmm. The one thing here that's interesting is the shift in power in the backfield. Ronald Jones had his first fumble in like a hundred and something touches uh, on a, on a reception the other night, and. It, after that, he he lost touches left and right to Fournette. Do you think there's a changing of the guard there? And and what does that do? Because obviously Ronald Jones has been an effective fantasy player for a lot of people. Does that? I mean that that's got to have a huge impact going forward if if they start to feed more carries toward Fournette. Yeah, I I if I'm a Ronald Jones owner, I'm seeing what I can get out there. If there's anyone who thinks that he's still like their top two you know, first and second round back and that, you know, as Bruce Arians put it, Leonard Fournette is their quote unquote nickel back. Like, I mean, I would, I would consider getting whatever I could for Ronald Jones because this feels like it's trending towards Leonard Fournette and especially in a game that they're going to want real bad because this is, I mean, this is, they have a chance to like put a lot of distance between themselves and the Saints in terms of like tiebreaker. It's basically a two game swap if they're able to do this and, um, and I fully expect the Buccaneers to do that, but yeah, I'm, I'm concerned if I'm a Ronald Jones owner for sure. It feels like, I don't know about you, but like Leonard Fournette looks spry. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, he had a quick first step for sure. Yeah, he, he looks a lot better. It kind of like David Johnson looked week one. Like he, he looks a lot better than he did last year. I don't know if that's going to be like a one-off or what, but, um, and maybe part of that is just using Ronald Jones and kind of using Fournette sparingly, but um, I don't think Jones disappears. It just feels like even when you want the game script, like basically in a passing game script, Fournette's still going to be in the game as their as their pass catching guy. So not a lot of avenues to Ronald Jones being like a you know a big difference maker. I think. Yeah. Uh, what about New Orleans? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Drew Brees looks like he's maybe taking a bit of a step back uh, or a step down. I should mm-hmm. say, Michael Thomas. Do do they get him back in this game? Do they not? There's there's some serious storylines here to keep an eye on uh, as we look into this game. But uh, how do you, how do you see it shaking out? How do you see Drew Brees performing against this Tampa Bay defense? Oh well, yeah, I mean I think it it totally depends on if Thomas plays and and also I think Emmanuel Sanders is ready to come back from yeah COVID, he practiced right? today for the first time. Yep. 
So you get both those guys back. Maybe you start looking a little bit more like you did. I I don't know. I've got a weird feeling that Tampa is just going to dominate this game. Like I, I kind of feel like that this like they were just totally looking ahead of the Giants. But you know, if they play anywhere near what they played like against the Giants on Monday night, they're going to get rolled. So just really excited for it. Um, but yeah, I, I lean pretty heavily towards the Bucks in this game. Antonio Brown, I know you talked about it a little bit early on. Do you think he gets a lot of snaps in this one? How much burn do you think that they they give him in their first game under uh, in the Bucks uniform? I I don't know why, but I see somehow like he comes out in the first drive and gets like three or four targets right away, and then gets a bit of a breather for a while, and then comes back maybe in the second half. Like it just it strikes me as that's I think that's exactly what they did with him with New England actually off the top of my head, but yeah. Um, I see, I see them ramping him up big time. And, yeah, I, like you mentioned Godwin. It seems like Godwin's going to play. Like, he's already practicing again. So, um, you know, maybe that's, like, a thing where they switch off, at, like, with their slot guy. But, um, man, like, the weapons for Brady as they get all healthy now is are just – it's absurd. Yeah. I mean, you – it's, this has become, which it's crazy because we were talking about Brady and, you know, maybe being a little bit washed up. And I still see that from time to time. But for sure, you, you just you, it's like an embarrassment of riches now that he has to, to work with. And, you oh, know, man. I just <laughs> it's just funny how that worked out for him. You know, he obviously yeah. had like, you know, this I think it was there was some premeditation to it. But, you know, I just you, you you feel like this is the team in the NFC to beat. I, it's either them or Seattle, yeah. and I feel like they're with their defense. They're they're probably the cream of the crop out there in the NFC right now. Well, I mean, we saw them. What they did to the Packers is put had to put the whole conference, really the whole league, on notice because no one was doing that to them. Packers are coming off the of bye, have plenty of time to plan for that, and then the speed is just they, no other defense has that, and. You know, I think the Saints defense is good at times, but we've also seen them sort of pulled over at, at times as well. And I just don't know. Like, I think it's going to be interesting comparing these two de- defenses because the speed, like the the Saints are built more on like setting the edge and kind of having those bigger guys and coming after you occasionally. And the Bucks are just pure speed. Like those two linebackers are crazy. So um, I, I mean, they're going to be very different, but I think that it's going to favor the Bucks in a big way. Yeah, and it's funny we're we're speaking so much praise about the Bucks when they almost lost that Monday night game. But uh, honestly, those are the types of games I felt like a trap game, didn't it? I mean, it, yeah. you, you just feel yeah, like those totally. are the types of games that good teams win, even even when they did have a bit of a letdown here and in, in, in the early on going in that game. I hate. Yeah, when that was the, a total look ahead, wasn't it? I, oh, I absolutely, like, absolutely. Yeah. All right, I, I feel like these Sunday night games this year have been so good, and the Monday night games have been just so bad. Uh, I know there have been a few good ones, but Patriots-Jets on Monday night, get, get out of here. Why are the Jets playing on Monday night football? How does that happen? It's a joke. I don't know. New York. I don't New even York, like, man, I, The fact that we have to end our show talking about this garbage bullshit, like how does that happen? I don't, I don't understand. Monday night football, you should have, you should have the best games. Like there's no scenario where the jets were going to come in in week nine and be like, Oh, Hey, we got jets, Patriots, huge rivalry. Let's go get out of here. Yeah. With that. It's a joke. I, I completely agree. What, like what, what was the upside to the jets coming into this season? There was none. Adam Gase is the worst coach in football and everyone knew that from step one. And, you know, you knew Sam Darnold wasn't, even if he was healthy the whole season, what did they, they maybe win one game instead of zero. I mean, come on. I agree with you. It's a garbage game and it doesn't help that the Patriots are also garbage this year. So this, they should have just 
buried this on uh, on the noon slate, you know. And you know, I think there was there was a and there's still a chance for this, but there's a chance you get Packers Niners on Monday night still, I think, and that would oh, let's hope help. So relieve having to watch this trash game please give me that yeah i don't want to watch this game i know you know obviously there's some people starting cam newton this weekend he should have a nice mm-hmm. game i think the run script should work out well for damon harris to see a little bit more oh, yeah. of what you can get out of him he's got 200 yard games now uh under his belt in just a few weeks since he's come off the ir so that could be a big that day. could be a big yeah. day for him uh I, yeah. yeah but but nonetheless uh over-unders at 42 on bovada i think the patriots cover Big time in this one. I, you know, I just, the Jets, they're just so bad. It's so embarrassing that they've traded away, like, the, the, and, and released the good players that they did have. You know, it, uh, Darnold's banged up. They, they said they're going to try to see if he can go with the shoulder, but we might see Joe Flacco in this game. Just, just get out of here with this on Monday night. I, I, I hope no fantasy managers' games come down to this game and you have to sit through three and a half hours of this nonsense. I probably will. But yeah, there's, I mean, the Jets might legitimately, like, you know, we live in a very, oh, what have you done for me lately? This is the best or this is whatever. The Jets might legitimately be the worst team I've ever seen in football. Yeah, like, from start like, to finish of the season. They're going to bookend the right. season as the worst team for every single week, which that rarely happens. I mean, uh, and even last week when they, it kind of looked like they might cover, they then still get absolutely destroyed by the Chiefs 35-9. to nine. Like, it. They're horrible. They're just a horrible embarrassment to the NFL. They should – like I, I said this earlier in the season, I, I would be very concerned about their players totally mailing it in and ruining the season for somebody else. Late in the year, they play like the Browns and the Rams and Seahawks. I mean, are you going to tell me that those guys give two shits about actually showing up and being healthy and, you know, like not contracting COVID? Like I, I totally think that they'll be out and about and not, you know, not caring about that sort of thing. And I, I don't know that they're going to be able to field – Legitimately, I'm not sure if they'll be able to field a team late in the season, and that might end up screwing with the, the playoff picture. Good riddance, honestly. I, I'm sorry <laughs> to our listeners that we had to end the show with that game, and that got me fired up. What a way to end it. But that's week nine. That's a wrap. I mean, we, we touched on them all. Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll be back next week with all the storylines, but anything on you that we missed? No, I'm, I agree. I apologize for having that sour taste in our mouth. Actually, ESPN should apologize because that's just how they end up with that game. Now they're fighting for the rights for Sunday Night Football. They're in a bidding war with uh, – is it NBC that does Sunday Night Football? I believe so. so yeah. Big-time big, big time bidding war. So g- buckle up. We're going to have uh, – what's his name? Uh, Levy, Steve Levy and, and – and, Steve and, Levy. By the way, their coverage of Monday Night – this Monday Night crew is the worst it's ever been. <laughs> wow. Worse than last year? Who do we have last year? Witten and uh, Tessator? No, yeah. that was two years ago. That was bad. Too. Yeah, that, that, that you're right. They've had. When's the last time we've had a good one? I guess. But this yeah, is bad. There you this go. is bad. <laughs> Levy Levy is, says the the corniest stuff. Oh God, I can't take him. But yeah, no, I, I don't yeah. mind Riddick though. I don't, I don't mind Riddick and Greasy. It's just it's Levy who makes me kind of nauseous. But I digress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Imagine um, hooking up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, oh man we'll leave Sorry that there that again wow it's been a week uh, that's week nine that's a wrap uh good luck to everybody this weekend in fantasy we're like i said at that halfway point you're starting to look toward the playoffs keep an eye on the waiver wire covid is is putting a damper on this season when it comes to that but it's given an opportunity to teams that might not have had a chance otherwise for Anshu Kana, i am josh dunn our time has come to an end on the underdog sports fantasy hour we'll see you guys ahead of week 10